Welcome to Healthy Voyager Radio. I'll be your host, the Healthy Voyager, Carolyn Scott. Hello, and thanks for joining Healthy Voyager Radio. I'm Carolyn Scott, a.k.a. The Healthy Voyager from HealthyVoyager.com. Um, before we get started today, I've got a quick event announcement for those of you here in Southern California. The Compassionate Cuisine event is back, and it is tomorrow, Friday, October 1st, at Cal State Long Beach at the Japanese Gardens. Now, the event is about 20 food vendors, all vegan food vendors, all night long, and the proceeds from the event benefit Animal Acres. Uh, the event goes from 7 p.m. until about 11 p.m., again, at Cal State Long Beach. For more information on where it actually is and the vendors and the uh, Animal Acres and all that stuff, visit CompassionateCuisine.net. Again, that's CompassionateCuisine.net. So if you're going to be around the L.A. area tomorrow, make sure to stop on by there and uh, eat your face off for a good cause. Alrighty, so uh, today is going to be a great show because I have some ladies coming up that have really made their mark on the eco world in two very different ways. Uh, super interesting and inspiring for men and women alike. I know that for many, the green movement has now become kind of a bit diluted. Uh, everywhere you look, something has been greened. And it can seem like a bit much in some ways. It can seem expensive and excessive. But the real green movement goes beyond consumer products. And in actuality, it can save you money while also doing good for your health as well as for the planet. So, you know, we're seeing all kinds of water bottles and t-shirts and all kinds of everything is green and somehow it looks like the green stuff's more expensive. So I get it that it takes uh, better quality products and um, kind of a, a longer labor process to make these products, but for those uh, that are hurting financially, which is most people these days, it's uh, it's tough to uh, to go that way. You want to help the earth and you want to help yourself, but sometimes cheap's got to be the way to go. So uh, we're going to teach you how uh, you can still save money and be healthy and green. So anyway, um, but you know, since we were kids and before all this eco stuff was thrown in our face, we were taught not to run the water while brushing your teeth, to turn the lights and the TVs off when we left the room, and even to recycle our plastic bottles and aluminum cans. And it really doesn't cost you any more time to do these small things. And ultimately, it can save you cash while making a huge impact on um, in conservation efforts. And it's the small mundane things that we do on a daily basis that are the ones that pack the biggest punch. So don't get overwhelmed by this stuff like the like I said, the, the eco-organic cotton onesies for your baby or this green jewelry. Um, eating local fare is green and healthy. Keeping your car running in tip-top shape is good for the planet as well as for your wallet. There's so many things that we already do that with a little more attention can be hugely beneficial in so many ways. So do what you can and when you can give more, then do that too. So today we're going to find out ways that uh, outside of the simple things, you can um, things that you can do to help the movement without overhauling your whole life or moving to a commune up in the mountains. You can be beautiful, you can be helpful, and you can be helpful all while being green, uh, and it's not difficult. It really doesn't cost you any more time uh, than you're already putting into everyday tasks. So on that note, let's get right to it. We'll take a short break, and when we come back, I will be chatting with the queen of green, Rebecca Tekel. How to deal with someone who says that's so gay? Turn it around. Did your mom cut the crusts off your peanut butter and jelly sandwich? <laughs> that is so gay. 
Oh, yeah? How would you like it if I said that so guy who makes fun of other people's sandwiches mostly because he's secretly jealous of them and who also has ketchup on his face? Okay, jeez. Sorry. Wait, do I seriously have ketchup on me? When you say that's so gay, do you realize what you say? Knock it off. Learn more at thinkbeforeyouspeak.com. Brought to you by Glisten and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Healthy Voyager Radio. My first guest has got to be the Queen of Green with an environmentally themed film, a book, and chairing the Veggie Van organization. The gal is kicking some serious green butts, empowering women, teachers, and teens worldwide with her eco knowledge. I now introduce you to Rebecca Tickell. Hello, Rebecca. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm so glad you could make it. I know you've been crazy busy with all sorts of initiatives and projects and veggie vans and all that stuff. <laughs> yes, I've been traveling all over the place promoting green energy, and also I've been down in the Gulf for the last four months working on the oil spill. So I have a lot of interesting and new information about that that's turned me into an even more devout uh, carer and lover of green. Wow. Well, I can't wait to get into that. So tell us a bit about you and how and why you got swept up by the green movement in the first place. Well, when I was 16 years old, I was sitting with my grandmother watching the Today Show, and this crazy kind of hippie guy came across the screen driving this veggie van, and I was so inspired by that. I couldn't believe that you could take used cooking oil and turn that into biodiesel. And I was very inspired at that time. That really started me on my path towards green energy. I mean, I grew up in Vermont. I grew up with nature. But when I saw that, I realized that there was a better alternative to what we were currently using as our energy infrastructure. So it started me down the path. I had no idea at that time that 14 years later I would end up married to that man that I saw on the Today Show and that the veggie van would be parked in my backyard. <laughs> but that was really what sparked it for me. And when I finally met Josh and he started showing me some of the footage that he had been filming, um, which ended up becoming the, the film that I produced with him called Fuel, I knew in an instant, in my gut, in my core, that what I was meant to do on this earth was to promote green energy and that that was what ultimately would have me be fulfilled. So about four years ago, I completely took a, a right turn, and my life became about educating myself and educating others around what can be done to create sustainability. Wonderful. Well, that's a neat story. I didn't know that's how you met Josh watching yeah. the Today Show. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I, I believe that, you know, it if something hits us and is that impactful to us that we can ultimately sort of build our life and create a life around that. And that's certainly what happened for me in that instance. Yeah. Well, tell me about your experience with filming the movie, the, the movie Fuel. Um, and after you're done kind of telling us about the film, tell us where people can see it. Sure. Um, well, Fuel is a documentary film. It won the Sundance Film Festival for Best the Best Audience Award. Um, it also was shortlisted for two Academy Awards. And it's um, available on iTunes and Netflix and Blockbuster, Hulu. You can get it at Whole Foods or Costco or Best Buy. But it had a theatrical release. It came out in 50 cities across the United States. And the film, it first tells Josh's story, the story that I fell in love, in love with as a 16-year-old. And then it really gets into the connections between the auto industry, the oil industry, and the government 
Josh grew up in Louisiana, my husband. He grew up in Louisiana surrounded by 150 petrochemical facilities and watched members of his family get sick, and many of them died from the toxic oil pollution there. And that really sparked for him a quest to go out and find some type of alternative fuel. And when he went to Germany, he saw that they were using biodiesel there. And he really introduced biodiesel to the United States over a decade ago and jump-started that movement, which is how I had heard of him. And I always wanted to use biodiesel in my cars. And now, sure enough, not only am I, am I using biodiesel, but I'm using algae and all kinds of other alternative fuel. So the film really looks at why we're stuck in this old system that doesn't work anymore, why we're continuing to burn fossil fuels and use coal when there's so many other renewable green solutions that are available to us right now. And it, it unfortunately makes a lot of people really angry when they realize that it's all about money. It's all about the bottom line for a lot of companies that keep us locked into that cycle. So what it does at the end of the film is it liberates people. It gives them choices. It shows them how they can make choices right now that free themselves of that dependence on foreign oil. And not only foreign oil, but also domestic oil that we're going and drilling out of the Gulf and thus creating things like the oil spill. So that's right, really what right. fuel is about. And it's really designed to inspire people. I mean, yes, it will make you mad, but it will also motivate you, um, which it certainly did with me. And um, that's why people seem to really love it. We created a, an educational version of it as well that's used in classrooms and a green curriculum to go along with that. So, um, you know, it, it's it's hard to swallow sometimes a lot of the doomsday scenarios around environmental education. You know, nobody wants to hear how we're, you know, we're coming close to a fork in the road that we're not going to be able to turn back from. But people are interested in finding out what they can actually do about it. And that's what fuel does. I love it. I love it. So outside of the, so you have this film, and then you wrote this book, Hot, Rich, and Green. What is that all about? Well, when I was going around the, the world with Josh, and we would show the movie, women would be really impacted by the film in a way that I, I noticed it was sort of different from men. You know, women, we tend to be a little bit more emotional. We tend to be a little bit more intuitive. You know, and of course, I'm stereotyping, but afterwards, I would find myself surrounded by women asking me questions. They'd say, how can I have what you have? How can I do what you're doing? I want to go out there and make a difference for people. I want to live a green lifestyle, and I want to make money doing it. How can I have that? And I really didn't have an answer for them at that time because I'd really just been kind of winging it up until that point. So I went out and I interviewed over 100 women from all different spectrums of green business, and I found out how did they do it? What, were the, what led them to their success? What were the roadblocks that they found along the way that were stopping them or the, the areas where they failed? And I gleaned from them their secrets to success. And I then distilled that down into a 10-step formula that any woman can use to get rich and save the planet. And that's how Hot, Rich, and Green, the book, was born. That's excellent. And uh, there's a website for, for the book as well? Yep, hotrichandgreen.com. And you can go there and you can watch a video um, that we created based on some of the women in the book. And also you can figure out how you can order the book or just get some tips right there on the website. But ultimately it's a guide that any woman can use to learn from what other women have done and ultimately follow in their footsteps to find their own passion, to find their own voice, to discover what they can do right now in their life to do what they love to do, to do what they're passionate about, to make a difference to the planet, and also make a difference for their pocketbook. 
Now, outside of the book, are you continuing to focus on women as far as uh, environmentalism, or, or is that Absolutely. kind of in that little box, and then you still work with schools and stuff? Well, I think it's, you know, it's, it's an ex- the book is just a, an expression of what I believe, which is that women are natural-born leaders of the environmental movement. You know, we have a biological connection to the planet. We have the capacity to carry life in our bodies. We're womb men. So, you know, we, we carry life. We can carry life in our bodies for nine months, and then we give birth, and then we have babies out in the world, and suddenly that connection to the environment becomes very real to us. Suddenly, you know, we don't get the opportunity to foster that life anymore within us, but it becomes an external thing, and we want to protect it. We want to make sure that our children have a planet to live on 50 years from now, 100 years from now, 500 years from now. So it makes us great defenders and protectors and caretakers of the earth. And I believe that if we as women can transform the way that we relate to business, and relate, transform the way that we relate to money, that will make us excellent leaders in the green movement. In fact, not only that, we might be the very catalyst that catapults us into a whole new paradigm around the green movement. So I think that you know, what there is for us to do is to sort of shift the way that we relate to business and re- the way that we relate to money. I mean, how many times have you heard a woman say, it's not about the money? You know, we're great givers, we're great volunteers, but you know, if we're going to transform the way that business is done, which is going to be required. You know, businesses are the big polluters of the planet. So we have to step it up when it comes to green business to be able to really make the shift that we want to see in the world when it comes to the environment. And a great example of that, one of the women that I interviewed in my book, um, her name is C.J. Warner, and she is the president of Sapphire Energy. It's a algae company. It's the, one of the leading algae companies on the planet. They're the, the company where Josh and I get our algae gasoline from. We drive a car that's powered by algae gasoline. Therefore, it's, it's gasoline made from algae in a seven-day process versus going and extracting it out of the ground. She was a former BP worker. So a few years ago, you know, she was working at BP out in the field managing oil extraction out of the ground, and she just in her heart, she knew that there had to be another way. She knew that there had to be a better way, a more environmentally conscious way to get our energy source. So she then went and started working with Sapphire Energy, and now today she's leading the way and a pioneer in the algae industry. And she's a perfect example of what any woman can do. That's fantastic. And I, I want to hear more about this algae car. What do you do when you go on a long road trip? Do you bring it with you, or are well, there algae fill-up points? <laughs> we actually just last night got back from Phoenix. So, you know, that's a 400-mile trip from L.A. to Phoenix and then another 400 miles back. So, you know, it, it, we don't actually carry it with us in the car. When we went to D.C., we had a separate trailer that followed us with the fuel in it. But we drove on a blend, so we're able to keep the fuel in our garage, and you know, it's, we don't drive it at 100% algae. It's, it ends up being more like 10%. But you know, the car is an electric plug-in hybrid vehicle, so we're able mm-hmm. to get 150 miles per gallon, um, up to 100 miles, and then after that, it goes down and it drives like a regular Prius, but allows us to get more bang for our buck with our fuel, so to speak. So we can go a lot further on a lot less fuel, and you know, if we're going up to 30 miles. Um, we can use no fuel at, our, at all in our car. In fact, anybody that has a Prius that's listening to this right now can modify their car to get 150 miles per gallon. You know, and one of the, wow. the pitfalls of the environmental movement has been going after one thing or the other, and they've all been sort of pitted against one another versus using all of these different technologies together. 
you know, looking at it as an ecology of solutions, looking at how we can create this environment where we're using the best of all of the different things like nature does. You know, it doesn't just use one solution. It, it creates an ecosystem where they all thrive and work together. So if we can take the best of solar energy, you know, we can plug our car into our solar panels, um, and then we can pour algae gasoline in there. You know, we can use battery technology. We have a, a nickel metal hydride battery in the car. So anybody that has a Prius can do that right now. They can pay $13,000 and convert their car to get 150 miles per gallon. You know, and all of these technologies are available. It just requires doing a little bit of research and digging beneath the surface versus just sort of buying into the, you know, this big old oil system that's not working for us anymore. It's very easy if you start to look um, to find alternative solutions that are available right now. And I'm sure the, the, as the demand grows, the, the prices will come down and it will be even easier to, to find those products and Absolutely. those ways to change things. You know, the people that are doing it now, that you know, we're kind of, you know, not to say that it hasn't been going on for decades and decades. In fact, you know, solar panels have been around since the beginning of, you know, the 1900s. But, you know, they're really starting to become more mainstream. So the people that are doing it, they're really leading leading the way. The people who are putting solar panels on their house today, they're leading the way and making it easier for other people to go and do the same thing. Yeah, neat. Now, you uh, you have this veggie van, and I got the wonderful opportunity of being able to walk through it not too long ago. And I have to say, it's pretty incredible. Can you tell our listeners about the veggie van, uh, what's in it, and how it's used? Well, I think what you saw was actually the big green energy bus. So we have yes. we have a whole convoy of vehicles. You know, we have the veggie van that I saw Josh driving when he was on the Today Show 14 years ago. Um, and then we have our algae car, which is our Algeus. It's the algae gasoline-powered car that gets 150 miles per gallon. And then what we also have is the big green energy bus. So we took a regular 1986 Bluebird school bus and we converted it into an educational mobile laboratory. So we pulled out the seats um, and instead of putting diesel into the bus, which most diesel most school buses are, we put biodiesel into the bus, which is non-toxic. You know, it makes it breathable. You know, school buses are four times more toxic inside the bus than they are outside the bus, which leads to all kinds of problems like asthma and cancer and heart problems, even death. So, you know, it's really easy to make the switch and run a, a school bus on biodiesel. But that's not the only thing we did with this bus. We put um, uh, learning stations in there. So we have touch screens that have an algae quiz on them. We also have a big LED TV that plays videos that educates kids and adults on different types of renewable energy. And then we have displays in the bus. We have energy efficiency displays that show how LED lights are so much better for the environment than even CFLs, and also way better than just your regular standard light bulb. Um, then we have a wind display. We have an algae display. We have a biofuel display that teaches about the different types of biofuels and the feedstocks for those different biofuels. And then everything on the bus is as green as we could possibly make it. So when you're standing inside the bus, you're standing on recycled tires. Um, we use blue wood in the bus, which is a non-toxic wood. All of our wood is treated with some type of, of chemical treatment to prevent you know, termites from eating that wood, but it's toxic. So, you know, if you're a kid or a three-year-old and you, you know, put your mouth on the wood, you're getting a dose of toxic chemicals. You can treat wood in a non-toxic way with blue wood, which is another way to treat wood in, in an organic way. 
um, it's just, you know, it's fun because everything in the bus is an example of what our message is, which is the ecology of solutions. On top of the bus, it has 17 solar panels. So when you're standing in the bus and you're being cooled by the swamp cooler or by the air conditioning or any of the electronics that you see, it's all powered by the solar that's generated on the top of the bus. And then that energy is stored in batteries that we have on the bus. So, you know, you can go all night showing um, films or you could, you know, show a we, – we did the fuel premiere, actually, powered by the bus when it came out last year. And um, it's just a great way to use solar energy and biodiesel and all the different green technologies that we have to educate people about green. And where does the bus show up typically? Where, do you, where have you taken it? We go to schools with the bus. We go to colleges with the bus. I drove a bunch of women around in the bus to go to uh, my book launch. Um, I love it. It's sort of unusual when you see me driving this giant school bus because it's kind of not what you would typically expect. Um, but, you know, we go anywhere where people want to see it. So if someone has an interest in educating people on green, um, we'll take the bus there. You know, schools will um, typically give a small amount of money to our nonprofit for us to take the bus there. And um, it's just a, it's our labor of love. It's another way for us to reach people and show them what they can do right now to get off of fossil fuels. Yeah. Well, tell us about some of the projects you've worked on in tandem with other organizations. I know you've uh, since – becoming this green maven, you've been working with some big folks on some big, cool things. Yeah, I mean, when we started, we started working with the Jane Goodall Institute with their Roots and Shoots program. Um, but since then, um, we've had, had the opportunity to work with Richard Branson and the Virgin Group. But more recently, down in the Gulf, um, we've been working with a do dozens and dozens of nonprofits down there. We've been working with the Riverkeeper Alliance. We've been working with the Louisiana Environmental Action Network. We've been working with Global Green. Um, we've been working with the NRDC. And it's just been amazing to see all of these different nonprofits come together with a common goal. I mean, as horrible as the oil spill is and was, it's amazing to watch everybody unite behind this common cause that this has got to be the turning point for America to get off of oil for once and for all. You know, and people don't know the truth of what's been happening down there. I, I'm just blown away at how hard these these nonprofits have been working, and our, ours included, the Veggie Van organization, um, you know, to get the truth out. Because what you're seeing on the news is not – what's happening down there right now. And mm -hmm. it's been very strange. It's almost like living in the twilight zone to be down there for the last four months and to be seeing the black beaches, you know, white sand beaches that are suddenly black because of the oil that comes in at night. Um, you know, and then to, to it, you know, I right now I have a huge rash on my face and on my ears and on my neck and my chest from the Corexit, which is the dispersant that they've been dumping on top of the oil to try to make it disappear. Yuck. And, uh, I know. It's really, it's unbelievable. It's really toxic. It makes the oil way more toxic than if they had not used it at all. But it's a great way to make the oil go away so that nobody is therefore accountable for cleaning it up or accountable for the fact that it's there in the first place. And, um, you know, it's it's just really amazing to see all of these chemicals, to be experiencing the impact of the chemicals physically, you know, and to see it also other people having blood come out of their ears. I know that's really disgusting, but that's the truth of what we're dealing with here. Uh, and, you know, this is because we continue to use fossil fuels, and but the media is not reporting it. 
So, you know, we're down there, we're, we're sitting there looking at these beaches, and then somebody turns on the television, and it's like people think that the oil spills over, and then it's done, and then it's gone. You know, they said, they said that 75% of the oil was gone, when that's just not even the case at all. But, you know, it's people just want to go on with business as usual. People are, you know, they, they think it's terrible about the environment and that it's somebody else's job to fix it and that it's not really going to affect them and that we can just go on living life like there's nothing wrong. Now more than ever, I have become more convinced that we have to do something to make a change. Um, you know, we just we can't go, you know, our, our, our dollars are not traded in gold anymore. They're traded in oil. And, you know, we live in an oil economy, and we have politicians that are basically funded, and their campaigns are funded by the oil industry. And it's, you know, nine out of the ten wealthiest corporations on the planet are oil companies. And we have got to make a shift. The way that we get power back to the people, literally, is by creating energy independence. And how we do that is by making little shifts, like putting solar panels on your roof, which you can now go and buy at Home Depot, by getting a plug-in car, I invite everybody who's listening to this right now to say out loud with me, my next car will have a plug. Ready? My next car next will, car have, will a have a plug. plug. Yes. <laughs> you know, and it's critical, you know, because we have got, I mean, even though people will say, well, no, then you're just burning more coal. Well, no, not if you've got solar panels on your roof. And it's just another step away from that big and old industry that no longer serves humanity. Um, you know, when people see the footage, you know, what we're working on right now and why we've been down there is, and working with all of these nonprofits, is because we're making a documentary about the oil spill. And when people see it, they will be blown away. They will, they will be so, at first they will be outraged because they will be so upset that they were not told the truth around what's happened. And then they will be so motivated to do whatever it takes to create a green economy. And it all starts within our own communities, educating the people around us and making steps, you know, in our own lives and within our communities to get off of fossil fuel. Well, the thing, too, is they've been saying, oh, well, it's so safe to come down here and swim in, in these uh -huh. waters and, and eat the, the marine life that has been, you know, completely uh, overhauled now. You know, it's, it's, it's awful that they're saying that, it's it's okay to come back and and take part in yeah you like you said before business as usual. Well, I mean, and, when people saw Obama swimming, quote unquote, swimming in the Gulf, they were actually not seeing him swim in the Gulf. He was swimming in a freshwater bay that was in, inland from the Gulf. So it was very misleading to the public to think that it's suddenly the beaches are safe. Now, when you go down to the beach where I was standing on Friday morning, I was standing on the beach there. When you go down to the beach, people are swimming in the beach, and there's no sign that says that it's, you should not be swimming there. But there are BP workers out there wearing Tyvek suits, picking up oil off the beach. Um, at nighttime, the, the beaches are black and covered in tar balls, and they take these machines, and they work all night long. to They don't remove the oil. They cover the oil with white sand so that you can't see it. And, um, and then, of course, the dispersant rolls in from the water, and it dissolves it, it breaks it down, and so that you can't see it and you can't smell it, and which is partially why I have a big rash on my chest, because it does the same thing to your skin that it does to the oil. It, it breaks down the protective barrier of the outside, and then it dissolves. Um, you know, the, the EPA only admitted three and a half weeks ago that they have no test for Corexit in seafood, Corexit being the dispersant that's being sprayed on the oil. 
there, they have no test for that in the seafood. And I have witnessed myself huge um, areas of bays of water that are open for fishing, that wow. are covered in oil. I, we had dolphins follow us out there. They were swimming in the wake of our boat. And there were millions of tarballs on the surface of the water. All, all you have to do is go around in a circle three times. And it dredges the, what's at the bottom of the water up. And millions of tarballs floated to the surface. And a thick oil sheen was floating on the top. And there were shrimp jumping out of the water. And then the, the shrimp boats were coming along and they were collecting the shrimp. And so it is unfortunate because the industry that supports the entire Gulf region is the fishing industry and the oil industry. And without that it will cause a tremendous amount of da damage to their economy. However, it's not worth the human health risks in taking those fish and sending them out untested to the rest of the United States and having God knows what health impacts on those people. And, you know, unfortunately, when we were standing at the largest shrimp exporter in the Gulf um, about a week and a half ago, the very next day, the shrimp that we saw were being shipped out to California and New York. So mm. it's very it's very concerning what we've been seeing and the lack of of concern for human health and also for the environment. And um just to give you a sense of how concerning it is when a similar situation happened in 89 with the Exxon Valdez oil spill up in Alaska. They used the same chemical dispersant on the oil there. And two-thirds of the people who filed a claim against Exxon died before their claim ever got resolved. Wow. So it's, it's a, you know, it's serious, it's serious stuff. But, you know, and I'm not saying this to scare people, but I believe that knowledge is power. And when we okay. have the information that we need to start making choices that are good for us, then we'll make those choices. But if we don't have that information, then we can just go on filling up our cars at the gas pump like no big deal. And so, I really hope that people will start to, you know, when they fill up at the gas pump, to think for a moment where that fuel is coming from and what it took to get it to you. Yeah, so how quickly are you going to get this film ready so that we can blow the lid off this thing? <laughs> <laughs> We're working really hard. Um, the film, we'll be done with the film. We're done with filming um, this year, and we should have the film done by April. Excellent. Well, I can't wait to see it and and hopefully uh, be a part of, of the promotion of it. Absolutely. I would really love that, Carolyn. And in the meantime, you know, what I really hope that people will do is, you know, to look in their own life and see, you know, well, what is it that I'm passionate about and where is it that I can make a difference right now for the environment? And I I assert that what what makes people feel good is, contributing in some way to the planet so that that's just our natural state is to live in alignment with the planet and it's you know if, if money weren't a constraint and we could do anything that we wanted i guarantee you that we would all be great contributors to the planet and you know that's part of freeing ourselves of this mindset that there's not enough or there's not enough money or i can't i can't really contribute to the environment because i have to pay my bills but I reckon that it's all that the shift is all one and the same. And then when we start coming from the place of that there is an abundance of green energy and there is an abundance of money and that money will come to me through being a contributor to the environment, it's, it's the whole thing the whole thing gets turned on its head. And mm -hmm. you know, shifting the way that we think about money, like versus looking at it from a point of scarcity, shifting that into a place of abundance. Literally shifting the way the words that we speak around money 
and then also doing what we love, you know, not just working for the man, so to speak, but rather mm-hmm. doing something that we're passionate about, that fulfills us, that makes a difference for the planet. You know, that's that's what it's all about. Yeah. What would you say for, for folks who, who, yeah, who are kind of in a financial bind but do want to start and can't necessarily afford to, to go out and get um, a Prius or solar panel their house or anything like that? Like, where would you suggest they start? Um, the, one of the founders of Green Dreaks in New York, her name is Margaret Flydecker. She said, when you make your vocation, your vacation, life becomes really fun and fulfilling. And I think that that's so true. I think that oftentimes we look at where we're going to get our money from from the wrong place. We look at it just from the, from the, from the perspective of trying to get the money versus actually being a contribution and having that energy exchange happen. Um, um, Mariel Hemingway was saying, you know, money is just energy. So, you know, what, what am I giving to get this money back? What could I do that I love, that I'm passionate about, that brings me so much happiness you know, that I can then be rewarded for and compensated for. That's the place to start. It's not about where can I get enough money to pay the bills. I mean, that ultimately becomes a factor in it as well, but it's not the starting point. The starting point is if money weren't an issue and I won the lottery right now and I had all the money in the world, what would I be doing with my time? And once you get clear on what that is, what that passion is, that thing that drives you, coming up with ways to be compensated for that becomes very fun. And it's all about just shifting the way that we relate to it, shifting the way that we speak about it. You know, I, I, whenever I hear a woman say it's not about the money, I'm like, shift that, shift that conversation. You know, you're, enti- you're entitled to be paid for what you love to do. I hear men say all the time, like, I'm going to make this much money next year. You know, and this is for men, too. I mean, men, men have, seem to have a more powerful relationship with money. And, I, and that's kind of a controversial statement, but the proof is in the pudding. If you look at what women are making compared to what men are making, women make 74 cents to the dollar for doing the exact same job that a man does. And the only reason for that, I assert, is because we keep ourselves locked into that cycle. Mm, absolutely. That's a, a great way to look at things. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, if we become a victim of it, then we have no say. You know, right. if we blame it on somebody else, then I can't do anything about that, really. But if I'm saying, you know, I'm responsible for that, I, and I, I therefore, am empowering myself to be the, also this person who can do something about it. So, Absolutely. You know, and, and it becomes a lot more fun to go out there and make money to, for something that you love and for something that you're passionate about and for something that gives back to humanity than to just go out there to do it to pay your rent. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, Thank you so much for being on the show. Where can people find out more about you, future projects, your books, your films, all that? Um, well, Hot Rich and Green, the website for the book, as I post things on there. And then also I have my own website, um, RebeccaTickell.com, R-E-B-E-C-C-A-T-I-C-K-E-L-L.com. And also check out the Fuel film, the film that my husband and I made. Um, you can watch it free on Hulu if you're willing to put up with the commercials, or you can watch it on iTunes or rent it at Blockbuster. Um, but it has the educational version on there as well that you can share with your kids, or your nieces or nephews, and um, get them excited about it as well. Terrific. Thank you so much again. I'm so excited for all the wonderful work that you're doing and your upcoming film about the Gulf oil spill and just you're doing such such great work out there, and I'm uh, so honored that you were able to make it on the show. I'm honored. Thank you so much, Carolyn, for having me and giving me an opportunity to share this with people.
Anytime. Stay with us because after the break, I will be chatting with eco health and beauty expert Rachel Avalon. Free speech. Free speech. Free speech is not Republican. Free speech is not Democratic. Free speech. Free speech is not. Free speech is not liberal. Not conservative. Free speech is not a political party. Free speech. Free speech is. Free speech is American. There are a lot of things that we don't agree on. Thank goodness we have one thing that we can. Be thankful for free speech because it is who you are. It is American. A message from the National Association of Broadcasters Education Foundation and this station. Thanks for coming back to Healthy Voyager Radio. Well, my next guest uh, was chosen as Project Green Search's It Girl. She is more than just a pretty face. Helping folks get healthy and beautiful from the inside out is Miss Rachel Avalon. Hello, Rachel. Hello. I'm so happy to be here. Me too. So tell us what inspired you to become a holistic nutritionist and an eco-expert because you are just uh, all about that these days. It's true. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's actually an interesting story because, you know, as long as I can remember, I've loved food and I've been fascinated with it and I've been fascinated with nature. And I was actually really fortunate to have two parents that even though they divorced when I was really young, they each instilled an amazing sense of appreciation for con- the connectedness of life in me and this, you know, strong sense of stewardship um, so, you know, even really simple things like the wonder of picking wild blackberries or even reading the nutrition facts on a cereal box really captured my imagination. And, you know, I'm from the Northwest originally. I was born in Seattle, but primarily raised in a small university town, which was surrounded by farmland, um, and it's actually in eastern Washington state. And what is interesting about my background is that most of the farmers not only sprayed their co- crops with chemicals and used synthetic fertilizers, they would burn the remaining wheat stalks down to the ground every year after harvest. And the air would look and smell toxic for weeks, and it always seemed just sadly misguided and irreverent to me, even when I was a kid. And interestingly enough, by the time I was 18, I had a benign tumor removed from one of my breasts with no family Mm. history. And so that was an interesting wake-up call. And around the same time, my mom was diagnosed with lupus. So even though I had this amazing foundation for thinking about health in general terms, those two things really prompted me to ask some important questions about what we eat or drink, what we think and feel, and how our impact on the planet always comes back to us one way or another. So, you know, once I started exploring uh, careers, everything kept le- leading me back to the importance of teaching others that, you know, living a sustainable lifestyle and enjoying a sustainable diet has so many phenomenal rewards and there's such a strong need for it. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, it's it's funny that people say it takes sometimes the the toughest part in your life is ends up being the best part of your life because it changes your path. Yes, definitely. And I think that there's that's a strong theme among people who are, are either, you know, holistic practitioner or, you know, in the line of healing in one way or another. They're usually touched in some personal way, and those challenges um, usually serve as, as really good lessons to kind of help us ask how can we help others. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, be, the way that you help others is uh, by doing a lot in the green world, namely in beauty. Why have you chosen this to be one of your main missions? 
there's a couple of reasons. Uh, basically, you know, when I became a holistic nutritionist, I knew I wanted to focus on detoxification since toxins interfere with our vitality, you know, the health of our skin, metabolism, immune system, you know, on and on. And the funny thing is that when people think of detoxing, they rarely consider where all those toxins are coming from. Mm. And, you know, not only do we have pesticide-laden foods and air pollution, of course, we have cleaning products and personal care and beauty products that are often linked to serious health problems. So, you know, part of my cleanse involves being proactive in those areas. And, you know, aside from my own business as a longtime environmentalist, I am just continually blown away with how many people, whether they consider themselves eco or not, realize what's really in their cosmetics. And, and when I say cosmetics, technically that includes everything from baby shampoo, deodorant and hair gel to lip gloss and mascara. And, you know, the reason I'm ridiculously passionate in this particular area is that the cosmetics industry in the U.S. is virtually self-regulated, which means companies can put things like lead, mercury, placenta, animal parts, coal tar, petrochemicals, like all of these different, uh, you know, interesting products into, into what we use. And what's terrifying is that, uh, and I usually don't like to teach with, with scare tactics, but it really disturbs me that out of the 12,500 or so ingredients used in the industry, about 87 have not been tested for safety. Wow. So, yeah, it's just crazy. So you look at that, and then you look at really uh, like disturbing statistics, like, for instance, thanks to nonprofits like the Environmental Working Group and the Campaign for Safe Cosmetics, at least one in three ingredients found in cosmetics are linked to cancer. So this is why I love doing a show with you because most of the media is too wrapped up in ad revenue from big names like L'Oreal or whoever to, first of all, expose the ingredients that are being used, but also to expose the heart-wrenching animal testing, the health and environmental impact, and also the, you know, the, the simple fact that legally these companies are able to get away with using really clever but often misleading marketing, uh, and their claims will say things that their products are natural, organic, gentle, or pure, and usually they're, they're far from that. So uh, that's that's part of my my passion for focusing on on beauty. Yeah, you're right. Most people are so sucked into the marketing of it, like, oh, Ellen DeGeneres is is hawking it, or Cindy Crawford, or whoever it might be, or Beyonce, and they're like, oh, well, it must be good if they're using it. But what they don't realize is the money's being spent to get those people to say that, and not on the quality of the product, which is why you can buy a mascara for five dollars, you know, and it's junk products and preservatives and chemicals that you're putting in your eyeballs <laughs> and the main money is going to the celebrities. And yeah, it's such a, it's such a disconnect. Yeah. And, and that's one of the reasons why I love being based in LA. Like I work with clients nationwide over the phone, but I love being here in the epicenter of the entertainment world because, you know, especially when I'm able to work with young ingenues in the entertainment industry, they're, they're so much more receptive to taking in this information. And I really want to reach the next Beyonce or the next Ellen DeGeneres and, and really have them look at this information closely before they team up with some of these, these big corporations so that they're really informed. Because I know, you know, people like Beyonce and Ellen DeGeneres, they, they, they have big hearts, and I, and I think that they really want to do the right thing, but it's not easy to find this information, even when you're more right. eco and, and you're looking for it. 
Oh, and I'm sure that the I'm sure that the companies are approaching them with, oh, well, it's safe and it's great and it's this, and they're yeah, like, oh, okay, you know, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and and even even the more expensive stuff that you find in department stores is awful because ultimately they're kind of owned by the same company and they're just relabeled for a different you know, different brand. Oh, yeah. I, I actually do an eco-beauty consultation and lecture. And one of the things that I go over, because I think it's so important, whether you're looking at health or beauty, to look at the big picture. And one of the things that I go over is who owns who. And uh, there's a really good example on this with Unilever, because they're the same, because it's just, you know, a handful of big conglomerates that, that own all of these brands that you think you've got all these options with. But Unilever mm. owns Dove. And they also own Axe Body Spray. And so some money goes into funneling the, the Real Beauty campaign, which is telling all of us that, you know, we can be natural and have, you know, this really, like, we can celebrate whoever we are and however we look. And then they turn around and funnel money into Axe Body Spray, where these <laughs> ad campaigns, I mean, have you seen them? They're just, you know, they're literally like, thousands of women running across the beach in bikinis towards one guy on the middle of the beach spraying himself. And, and the tagline mm-hmm. on that one is spray more, get more. So there's a big disconnect, <laughs> you know, with, with who owns who and, and, you know, what, where we're, where we're putting our money. And I'm a big, big believer in purchasing power. So that's why I like to get that out there. <laughs> Absolutely. So because of your work in the eco field, you were chosen as Project Green Search's It Girl last year. Tell us about your experience with, with that and how you've been able to do so much good with that title. Yeah, well, in, t- in November of 2009, uh, they organized their first natural, uh, national search looking for someone to really stand out and raise further awareness for sustainability, animal welfare, and humanitarian ethics. And those were three things that I was like, oh, this is a no-brainer. You know, I care about all those Mm -hmm. things. And it was such an honor to be selected among the finalists because, you know, they included an engineer, a geologist, an eco-race car driver, and all these, you know, beautiful, inspirational activists. And um, as a result, you know, I've done a number of interviews and public speeches and become, and you know, the thing that I love about doing speeches and interviews is, you know, you're able to reach so many more people. Um, and I'm, a, you know, I'm, I, I really love that opportunity to get the message out um, in, in various ways. Um, but then also, I've had this wonderful opportunity to become more connected to a network of caring, dedicated visionaries here in LA and actually around the world, thanks to. Facebook and I mean I'm that's mm. the reason I met you and you know so many other just phenomenal women so I you know what I love about Project Green Search is that uh, you know it's a, it's a non-paid gig but what it did was it gave me an opportunity to open some new doors and you know I'm the type where I decided I really wanted to be proactive with that because you know, I feel like these topics really urgently need our attention so it's um it's been a, a real gift in that way. Yeah, absolutely. So what is uh, your approach and your process when you work with clients? I know that you're a holistic nutritionist. Um, what is, you know, what kind of people come to you and then what do you do with them? Uh, well, I work with a lot of women and I, you know, it, in terms of their background, it, it tends to range. You know, a lot of my L.A. local clients are people in the entertainment industry. But then I also work with, uh, you know, stay-at-home moms who may be living in Ohio or, you know, just there's a huge range in terms of that. Um, But regardless, 
I have a couple simple philosophies that I like to share with them. And you know, the first is what we do to our health, we do to the health of the planet and vice versa. And second, as simple as this may be, we certainly in the West don't apply it very often, and that is fake foods equal fake health and natural mm-hmm. foods equals natural health. So, you know, when I'm working with someone, I often say that I teach what nature teaches, which is balance and variety. And overall, when you eat less or no meat and dairy and you do emphasize a natural plant-based diet, when you slow down and breathe and cultivate balance in all areas of your life, when you enjoy the abundant variety of natural whole foods, worries like counting calories, grams, and points, those things become a thing of the past. And that's mm-hmm. what I love to teach people is that, you know, I think sometimes when people look at me, they're like, oh, you're so thin, you know, you must have a lot of discipline. And I'm like, I don't have a lot of discipline. I love, I love food, and, and I choose foods that make it so much easier. It doesn't become such an uphill battle. And, you know, to be able to, to teach people that they can do that too in a way that applies to the demands of modern living and, uh, you know, that can be more convenient than they ever imagined um, so I do that, and uh, and then, you know, I, I really work to teach clients to simplify and enhance their life through specific customized strategies and tips that, interestingly enough, I don't, I don't see a ton of other practitioners doing. I think sometimes people, more than the information, they need the strategies. So, you know, I, I do focus on a couple things that I find a lot of other practitioners bypass in terms of you know, exact information, but Mm. more than anything, it's like we all know there's a million diet books out there and there's a million supplements to choose from, Um, but if you access, you know, the good information that's out there, how do you end up implementing it? And that's what I think that I am really good at at doing is helping people get it, you know, creating rituals and habits in their life. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it's overwhelming, the information that's out there now, especially with the Internet, and then on top of it, you have books and the news, and it can drive you crazy, and yeah. what what really works, you know? Yeah, and, and what, to, you know, what to sift through, because one of the things that, that <laughs> amuses me to no end, but also really kind of freaks me out, is the fact that people will take health advice from anyone. I mean, you know, they'll go to the, the salon and have their hair done and be like, oh, really, that's what I should do? Okay, I'm going to do yeah. it. And I think, you know, because there's so much content out there now, people need to be much more selective. Um, and, and, for it, and especially given how many supplements there are out there. You know, most supplements are fractionated, they're denatured, you know, they're whipped up in a lab, and there's more and more evidence showing that many of them may be doing more harm than good. And I do think Mm. that there's a place for supplements in the right form, but I also think it's really important to, you know, to treat your, your, your market and your refrigerator, your pantry as your first route and your, your first medicine cabinet before anything else. Right, right. So one of the things that you promote on your website as well as um, with your clients is the Avalon Cleanse. What is the Avalon Cleanse? Well, it's uh, it's a program that I developed that uh, basically takes people straight to the core of what it takes to enjoy a new level of vitality, weight loss, immune boosting, skin radiance, and overall health and happiness. It's really you know, comprehensive and holistic because that's that's how 
we're meant to function. That's how we're designed. You know, uh, I find it interesting that a lot of detoxification programs say, oh, this is a liver cleanse, and this is a you know, colon cleanse. But really, you, know, you can't separate, separate one from the other. So this is a comprehensive cleanse. And people have the choice between a 15-day version or a 30-day version, same price. And what that includes uh, is three one-hour sessions and a comprehensive packet filled with all sorts of instructions and info and resources so that they're going to have plenty of things to utilize well beyond the cleanse. And then, you know, with the original cleanse, that actually, as far as dietary modifications go, that begins with a vegetarian phase where eggs and dairy are allowed, and then a vegan phase where all animal products are eliminated. And then it ends with a vegan phase that emphasizes raw foods as well as cooked and blended foods. And that process is really about helping people transition gracefully, not only physically but emotionally, uh, because we have so many social conditioned messages in our head about what we should eat and what we shouldn't, especially around meat and dairy. So to be able to kind of ease into that and, and take our, our physical attention away from digestion and move it towards healing. And then, of course, there are also specific herbs, probiotics, enzymes, you know, things like that that are added in to really maximize uh, a gentle yet effective process. So I have the, the original version, and then I also have an advanced version for vegans. Um, and, you know, they're, they're both customized for each individual's goals and needs, and um, that's, that's pretty much it. Neat. And that's all available on your website, and we'll get to that at the end of the show, right? It's all there? Great. Now, uh, in your opinion, how and since you're such an eco girl, living healthy too, how does individual when individuals healthy living affect the planet? So, like, let's say I'm vegan, uh, how, what, and, and I and I live healthy in all the other aspects of my life. How does that affect the planet, in your opinion? Well, first, I'm going to start by saying, you know, for whatever reason, too many humans have strayed away from the truth and bought into the notion that we are separate from the other dynamic species and elements we share this planet with. So it's kind of like we have this attitude of like, oh, we're over here, we can do whatever we want, and everybody else is over there. And I think we've really been brainwashed into thinking that we all have these you know, personal choices, but in reality it's comparable to smoking. Yeah, as we know, millions of lives are lost to secondhand smoke and billions of non-biodegradable cigarette butts wreak havoc on wildlife and ecosystems. So, you know, the way I see it, when we begin to heal ourselves holistically, we see the bigger picture short-term and long-term. We begin to heal the planet simultaneously. And, you know, all of our actions really add up positively or negatively. I mean, some of the statistics that really keep me motivated are things like, you know, 9 billion batteries end up in landfills each year in America. And in California, only 16% of plastic bottles are recycled. And, you know, we're considered a pretty progressive, eco-friendly state. And then, you know, you're talking about being a vegan. 10 billion land animals are slaughtered each year for our obsession with eating meat. And, you know, I really just so passionately want people to understand how those things are polluting our soil, the water, and our bodies, and to be inspired and to really have a full understanding of, of like how and why 
we can turn those things around. So, you know, being a vegan, um, I'm actually really excited to share this with you because I've been so quiet about it. I've been on a path towards veganism since I was 11 years old. And, um, and as of this spring, I finally made a decision. I was like, you know what? I'm going to go all the way. I was like 90% for quite a while. Mm-hmm. And so here I am, um, a vegan. And, and one of the things that, you know, in, inspired me among many other things is that, you know, the UN has come out with a couple of reports over the last few years, and they have said that one of the best, most effective ways we can impact um, you know, climate change as well as pollution is to adopt a vegan diet, and that's that's more effective than driving a hybrid. Mm. And of course, I want to do both, and I do both. <laughs> so <laughs> I want I want to inspire everyone else to do the same. But you know, I think at the end of the day, it's like you know, you don't want to be too preachy about it. You just want to be gentle and say, here's information. Choose you know what you can for now, and realize that it's a process. And you know, and as long as you have encouraging people around you and and you don't bury your head in the sand from uh you know the harsh realities you're going to be more and more inspired to to go in that direction yeah absolutely and congratulations by the way for Thanks. finally making the big v change Thanks, yeah. <laughs> Thanks. it's uh it's it gets better and better with every passing year trust me yeah i'm sure and I, and it's funny because even though i'm educated on this i still kind of had that like little 10% hold out of like, well, you know, when I'm in these situations and da, 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 da. And, you know, I, and I also, because I, I eat so well and I eat mostly organic, um, I, I, you know, unlike a lot of people in this country, I was actually, con- you know, concerned that I might get too thin. And mm-hmm. I've been able to maintain my, my weight at a really healthy level. And I'm just, I'm so happy about it. So thanks for the encouragement. Yeah, yeah, it's I I can imagine for for me it was weird. I went totally cold turkey almost 12 years ago. Looking back, I don't know how I did it, mm. uh especially coming from where I was. Um but I always encourage people baby steps. You know, every every step is a step towards betterment. You know, so so when it what's important is getting there, not how long it takes or when you get there, but when you get there, you know. So Amen. So tell uh, for for the listeners, and now that it's fall is upon us, it doesn't feel like it here in LA because it's still like 100 degrees outside. <laughs> but for other people who are starting to see the weather change, what health and beauty tips do you have for people? Because I know that the change in the light and change in the weather can be very um, tough for some people as far as diet as well as for for beauty regimens. Well, starting with beauty regimens, uh, you know, one of the things that happens when the weather starts to cool down is that we drink less water, typically, and uh, and we start to crank up the heat, which really, you know, we, you know, takes a toll on our skin. So, you know, what I recommend is, um, you know, if you're looking for a specific product, um, I, I always recommend going 100% natural or all natural if possible. And there's a couple options with that, uh, shea butter or cocoa butter. Uh, from now products those are just fantastic rich and creamy for dry lips hands feet uh, etc and then you know of course being a holistic nutritionist I always emphasize that the best hydrated skin the most glowing skin always starts from the inside out you know 
I think people spend way too much money and time looking for those miracle creams. And so mm. you want to enjoy, you know, water, herbal teas, uh, moderate amounts of essential fatty acids from plant-based choices like olive oil and flaxseed oil and seeds. And then I also recommend beta-carotene-rich foods such as butternut squash, carrots, and yams because not only are they in season, they help support natural collagen production. So that mm. cultivates a more youthful appearance among other cellular benefits and plus you know, that all that beta carotene is really excellent for boosting the immune system instead of taking synthetic vitamins. And, and of course, you know, everyone feels better when their immune system is, is in working order. Yeah, and all these ridiculous flu shots they're telling you to get. Oh, yeah, that's a <laughs> whole other conversation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it drives I have, me crazy. I, I, I love sharing with people that, you know, I have not been on antibiotics in – I don't even know how many, at least 10 years. And I've never had a flu vaccination. And, you know, it's like there's so many gifts from nature. You know, there are just loads of, of herbs and plants that have all these incredible antibacterial and antiviral properties. And, you know, it, it makes no sense to me to try and take that and then denature it and then give it to you when it almost always has side effects as a pharmaceutical, when you could just go to the pure the whole version in the first place. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh it's again, it's you know, big money making scheme. I, I, I find it just so funny that every year they tell you to get one and I'm like, Do you really need one every year? But, you know, people buy into it and you're right, everyone takes uh health advice from any source where they hear it, which is why it's so confusing. <laughs> well that's why I finally at one point decided to start offering an immune boosting session so people can, you know, whether again if they're in LA or they're somewhere else, I can provide them, you know, a full packet with a full session that goes over, you know, the, you know, do this and don't do that. And here's what's uh, really reliable information and, and here's what isn't. And that way, you know, people can get clear on this stuff, especially, you know, to do it now before you get sick. So mm. that, you know, it doesn't sneak up on you. Yes. Living preventative health-wise is better than trying to cover up and deal with the symptoms later on. Well, thanks again, Rachel. I really appreciate your time and your information. Uh, where can people find out about you and sign up for your services? Oh, well, first of all, you're so welcome. This is so delightful and fun. Uh, my website is my name, rachelavalon.com, and that's R-A-C-H-E-L-A-V-A-L-O-N. And also everyone can check out my Facebook page through my website, and that's where I post details for upcoming lectures and content that covers health and sustain sustainability, all that fun stuff that we talked about. And I really cover a lot of stuff from you know the feel-good and, and entertaining to the, the shocking and, and nitty-gritty. So it's, it's a good mix. Very cool. RachelAvalon.com. Check it out. Do the Avalon cleanse and see what she's up to. Thanks, Carolyn. <laughs> Thank you. Everybody, stick around. We will be right back. As a veteran of Iraq or Afghanistan, joining IAVA.org really helps in the transition home. It's a network of OIF and OEF vets like me who've got your back here, just like we did over there. That means when you need help navigating the GI Bill, we've got your back. And when you're dealing with the transition home, we've got your back. Or when you just want someone to share stories with, we've got your back. Iraq and Afghanistan Veterans of America is there for you. 
Join our community at IAVA.org. We've got your back. Brought to you by IAVA and the Ad Council. And that's about it for Healthy Voyager Radio today. Be sure you visit RebeccaTakel.com as well as RachelAvalon.com for more information about them, their books, speaking tours, and all-around incredible eco-information for not just for the ladies, but for men as well. Uh, as for me, of course, I'm at Healthy Voyager on Twitter. I'm Healthy Voyager on Facebook, all over Facebook, tons of different pages. I should really kind of clean that up. Um, on YouTube, you can join the channel and see the new videos that go up every week. And uh, for the one-stop shop, check HealthyVoyager.com. And you can join the social networking aspect of the site right there on the homepage and meet other health-minded folks. And uh, if you subscribe to the newsletter, which again, you can sign up on the front page of HealthyVoyager.com, you get a weekly newsletter of all the new content that comes out every week, along with some special coupons and deals uh, just for subscribers. So be sure to check that out at HealthyVoyager.com. Already, I'd like to thank Rebecca Tekel as well as Rachel Avalon one more time for their time and effort and great stuff that they're doing. Uh, be sure to check out podcasts of today's show as well as past shows on HealthyVoyager.com as well as on iTunes and Zoom where you can subscribe and never miss a show and you can listen to them at your leisure. Uh, be sure to join me next week as I welcome Daphne Oz. You may know her as Dr. Oz's daughter. However, she's got a best-selling book, The Dorm Room Diet, that we will be discussing at length. Uh, a great show for college kids as well as for parents of college kids to help keep them healthy while away at school. I know firsthand how easy it is to gain weight in college, and Daphne has really hit the nail on the head with this book, so I'm very excited to have her on to chat about it and her experiences with food and fitness and all that craziness at college. And before we head out, I'm going to play us out with a song by apocalyptic rock band Muse. I just saw them in concert for a second time this past weekend, and man, do they rock. And what rocks even more is that their lead singer, Matthew Bellamy, is a veg head. Yes, all the cool people are doing it. In fact, uh, he was named PETA's Sexiest Vegetarian in 2007. To find out when they'll be playing in a city near you, you must check them out at muse.mu, www.muse.mu. All right, thanks so much for joining me today. Have a wonderful weekend. Talk to you next week. Enjoy Bliss by Muse. Bye. Bye.